0: Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. We turn our attention in this episode to the overall health of the Indian economy and we do that analysis by looking at one major report that came out this week that is the Reserve Bank of India's annual report, and then looking ahead to the release of GDP numbers that is expected on Monday, that is the 31st of August. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a great deal of concern, of course, as to what the overall effect of months of lockdown would be on the economy. It's the reason why any kind of projection by the World Bank, the IMF, or any other such agency makes immediate headline news. And the RBI report, in its assessment of the economic landscape and its prognosis for near-term prospects, does present a troubling picture of demand hollowed out by the severe shock to private consumption, public finances strained by the imperative of funding mitigation measures, and an anemic appetite for investment, among other things. So as stark as that is, we'll discuss what the report says in some more detail. Talk about some of the recommendations that the central bank has for the government going forward. And that will set us up also to discuss at the end what we can expect for the release of the GDP figures next week. My guest today is the Hindu's business editor, Suresh Sechadri. Right. So the first question to ask, I think, is about the RBI's annual report itself. Mm-hmm. Now, over the past few months, because we've been in this economic distress, we kind of keep looking to indicators and reports. So um the World Bank projection for India's economy, the IMF projection, everything that might sort of carry a clue or a hint somewhere kind of makes big news. And in this uh, kind of scenario, we have the RBI annual report. So I guess we can just start by saying, what is the what is the annual report really about? Uh, is it normally big news when it lands?
1: So the RBI is the country's uh, central bank, uh, is charged with the formulation of monetary policy, which, as you would know, is a key linchpin of any economy's health and well-being, because monetary policy essentially, through the conduct of monetary mechanisms, whether it's interest rates, whether it is the availability of currency and liquidity in the system. Uh, the, The central bank is the one which is running the engine of the economy and keeping it well fueled in terms of providing enough liquidity for the financial sector, for industry and for consumers and so on. So, the RBI produces every year an annual report which reviews How the country's economy, macroeconomy, has performed in the the last year that it is reviewing in its annual report. It looks at what the central bank itself has done over the last year and how did it perform in terms of its uh, role as a regulator, banking regulator, and a monetary regulator. And it then shares its uh, assessment of the review that it has undertaken, in just like any body corporate which is listed. Uh, has to share and you know, produce an annual report and share it with its shareholders. Here, in this case, the country at large, uh, every you know citizen of the country is entitled to access the annual report of the RBI and see what it is that the bank has done in the past year. So it is a fairly significant document. Uh, to those interested in the health of the economy, you, you tend to look at the RBI's annual report and try and look and glean from it what is it that the central bank finds uh, has been the performance of the economy and where does it think the economy is headed.
0: Right. So, I mean, the, I'm guessing the RBI report is actually a, a very lengthy document, but uh, for the purposes of this conversation, I suppose we're looking at uh, the section that we've, that deals with the assessment of the economy and prospects going ahead. So, um, let's just get into that. What does, what does the report say that's uh, significant?
1: Yeah. So, uh, this year, uh, like you you know, just said when we started, Uh, given the fact that, uh, you know, the the whole world is experiencing an unprecedented public health crisis, which has resulted in throwing the entire global economy off the rails. So the RBI's uh, annual report this year has been closely watched and tracked for what it has said about the year which just passed and, and also what it sees as the prospects for the economy. And this first chapter of the RBI's annual report, which is essentially uh, a review of the economy, uh, the chapter is titled Assessment and Prospects. Uh, It's a fairly uh, stark and very, uh, should I say, um, honest uh, and very obviously disconcerting uh, assessment because it says that whether it is in the area of public finances, clearly in the area of public finances, there are strains because... uh, The government's revenues are underperforming at this point in time as a result of the economy having slowed substantially and the economy has slowed substantially as a result of the fact that the government had to impose uh, a series of lockdowns to try and contain the spread of the novel coronavirus. And as a result, economic activity came grinding to a halt. And now that there have been reopenings of the economy, uh, infections have risen. The RBI's assessment is a fairly sobering assessment because it's saying that whether it comes, whether whether it looks at the area of public finances, which is the government's ability to uh, make interventions in terms of whether it is to spend money to address mitigation of the COVID-19 pandemic's impact on the economy. Uh, The government had in, you know, uh, in April announced a set of uh, about 20 lakh crore worth of, uh, you know, mitigation measures uh, for for addressing some of the problems that had happened as a result of the uh, you know pandemic besides that there is also the whole issue of where is uh, what has happened with the money which which was released because of the corporate tax rate cut which this was implemented last year this is before the pandemic hit us and clearly the finding is that corporates didn't use that money to uh, you know sort of reinvest in capital expenditure but instead they use the benefit of money, which they got from the corporate tax uh, rate cut to pay off uh, you know, debt. Uh, the financial sector, the banking sector, which has already been burdened with NPAs, now finds itself in a situation where they've become extremely risk averse because the fear is that they are going to end up adding more NPAs and then the banking sector is again in a dire situation. And the assessment that the bank has made, the RBI has made from its own internal surveys in July about consumer confidence and so on, uh, have come back uh, reflecting a lot of pessimism on the part of the consumer. The consumers clearly aren't prepared at this point to go ahead and spend, is what the RBI is saying.
0: Right. And um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of prescriptions, I know that you know, from our reporting and from the way we wrote the edits, uh, et cetera, that the prescription is for the, for the government to spend. Um, but but what, does that, what does that mean exactly? And you know, how does the RBI uh, frame that?
1: So the RBI at one point says that at this moment, the pandemic proofing of the economy has been largely done by government consumption. Uh, it says that there's been in the first quarter a 33% increase in revenue expenditure, net revenue expenditure, net of subsidies and net of interest outgo on the part of the government. So uh, the government has stepped up spending. But whether the government can sustain that step up in spending is a moot point. Uh, the, the RBI's suggestion is that the government should, you know, go ahead and continue to sort of try and spend as much as it can. Uh, there are also concerns about fiscal, uh, you know, slippage, uh, as it is the fiscal deficit is clearly now beginning to balloon quite substantially, and it's, it certainly isn't going to achieve the targeted goal uh, in terms of what the government had you know, envisaged when it, uh, you know, presented the budget back in uh, the end of January. Um, Right. But, um, sorry, not in January, but in in the case of this year, the whenever the budget was presented by the finance minister. uh, But the point is that one of the suggestions is to monetize assets that the government has, whether it is in terms of, you know, steel factories, coal mines, uh, you know, railway land, railway, stock, this privatization of railways which has begun, but whether all these efforts at privatization, which some people say is like a fire sale, because the government obviously wants to raise as much resources as possible, but whether it's going to be able to generate meaningful resources at this point in time, who is going to bid for these resources, who is going to actually invest in these resources, is a moot point, because your entrepreneur is not going to go ahead and spend, I mean, he, he or she doesn't have the money to, or even if he has the money, is he's been very wary of spending money on anything which is seemingly a capital expenditure because you know he's right now operating well below capacity with whatever you know plants he has, whatever industries he's running. So, why is an investor going to go ahead and add uh you know capacity uh for someone to take up and you know invest in a steel asset of the government, for someone to invest in a coal asset of the government? Uh, they need to be able to believe that there is. Uh, light at the end of the tunnel, and at this point in time that isn't visible so while it's interesting and sort of fairly uh understandable that the RBI should prescribe you know monetization of assets as one of the options for the government to you know help fund public expenditure and, and crowd in private investment, uh, we really don't know where that's going to happen from um, so that's that's a huge conundrum.
0: Right. And um, besides that, what are the other suggestions for the government?
1: Uh, it wants the government to try and use the opportunity that this current crisis is presenting to try and make deep seated and wide ranging uh, you know, structural reforms. Uh, the whole bunch of reforms that many economists, including and now including the RBI, have been sort of advocating, whether it is in the area of uh, factors of production, you know, labor laws uh, land laws uh, whether it's in, in product markets um, you know in areas like agricultural markets there are some reforms have already been initiated by the government there are those who believe that the that the kind of reforms the government has sought to initiate are themselves problematic because they are um, you know sort of opening a pandora's box in terms of you know for instance the ordinances that have been passed are taking away powers that the states have hitherto had uh, in terms of the APMC acts and so on. And there is a move towards more corporatization. But that's another uh, discussion and another debate to have another day. But essentially what the RBI is advocating is more reforms, uh, deep-seated structural reforms in factor markets, product markets. They're also asking for financial sector reform in the government and they want the government to use the opportunity of the crisis post, obviously, the pandemic easing to make far reaching reforms, which would enhance India's competitiveness, especially in international markets, because they believe that if you were to make your uh, manufacturing and other industries far more internationally competitive, then you automatically make it uh, sort of uh, put, put it in a better shape and health
0: right and in terms of uh, a fiscal stimulus to sort of um, you know boost uh, the sort of demand side of the economy does the rbi say anything about that
1: yeah so the rbi is saying that the government should bear the brunt of it doesn't sort of specifically advocate uh, fiscal profligacy or it doesn't specifically say that the government should you know put money in the hands of consumers or any of the other suggestions that other economists have made but yes it does say that at the moment the government has been uh, the main should I say, person? the main uh, source of spending for consumption uh, to ensure that demand doesn't completely collapse because demand has really taken a severe shock because private consumption spending has moved from, uh, you know, in in consumption spending, classically, there are two components. There's discretionary spending, which is like, you know, do I want to go out and buy myself a new shirt today? Do I want to go out and watch a movie today? Do I want to go out and uh, eat at a fine dining restaurant today? So these are all discretionary forms of discretionary spending where a consumer says, you know, it is not necessary, but I exercise discretion and spend. Discretionary spending is one kind of consumer spending and the other is non-discretionary spending. I need groceries to run my household to, you know, rice and sugar and tea and coffee and whatever else it is, milk, to run my household washing powder for and so on so disc- non discretionary spending consumer spending at the moment has become almost completely limited to non discretionary spending where essential spending where I, every household needs to spend the bare minimum to keep itself going even interestingly this is not in the rbi report but separately the expenditure secretary mr tv somanathan who you know spoke the other day has also said that about 40% of the money which was uh, you know which directly reached, uh, you know, whether it was migrants or whether it was uh, people who were beneficiaries chosen, the Jandan, Yojana, beneficiaries whom the government was trying to send direct benefit transfer to. uh, These people have saved about 40% of the money rather than spend it because everyone is worried about, you know, there's a huge, uh, should I say, joblessness and collapse in income and everything has happened because of the pandemic. So, Whatever little meager resources anyone has, he or she wants to conserve it at the moment rather than spend it. Now, if you don't spend money, the economy's wheels don't go around. Uh, it's as simple as that. So whatever money I have, if I have it and sit with it, and if I don't go out and buy food, for instance, I don't have food to eat. But if I spend on food, there is someone, a restaurant who, uh, somebody producing the food who, or someone, you know, who is selling the grocery uh, item who's earning some revenue. So the wheels of the economy keep spinning and turning only when people go out and spend. Unfortunately, at the moment, all spending has now come to a substantial uh, slowdown. uh, And it's only non discretionary spending which is happening. What the RBI in its annual report is saying is that it hopes the government will keep spending more to keep it going. But it also says that it does realize the government is going to run, its resources are going to run dry, especially states are going to find themselves so squeezed because they've all been spending on Healthcare and just operating their own governments and there isn't any GST revenue coming to them, so they're going to start having to make cuts in capital spending, which essentially is, you know, uh, if, if the states don't spend on capital, uh, you know, don't spend money on capital projects, then there isn't going to be any uh, growth generated at, at the level of the state GDSP.
0: Yeah, so, of course, th- this has been a, a week which has actually uh, been full of uh, news on the on, on the economy. And, of course, just we're currently what we're seeing in the news is that there's a huge um, crunch on um, on GST, uh, the collection, the taxes collected through GST. And the states uh, will not this year be able to, or the center will not be able to give the states their allocated amount. So that's a separate uh, factor altogether, um, although, although linked, of course, to what we've been talking about. And also, just to end, let's just look ahead because um, on Monday now, the official GDP numbers are going to be released yeah. uh, for this year. So, as I said, as we started by saying, the past few months have been rife with speculation, looking at all kinds of reports and projections about what the effect of the pandemic has been, actually, on the economy. Uh, GDP is the number that I think, well, at, at least public perception, that is the number that uh, really defines where the economy is going. So. What do we what do we kind of know about, or what can we say about what the projection is going to be for GDP?
1: So it's fairly you know it's it's a hundred percent certain that the economy contracted in the first quarter of the current fiscal year, which is the three month period beginning April first and ending June thirtieth. That this uh, that the Indian economy contracted, that the size of the economy contracted, that uh, the gross domestic output product, uh, which is a, a measure of all that the economy is producing, uh, clearly contracted and shrank. The volume of output, economic output, would have certainly shrunk as opposed to the first quarter of the year, uh, the previous fiscal year, that is, April to March. Uh, sorry, April to June of the year 2019. Um, this year's output would have been substantially lower. Now, how substantially lower is? something which everyone would be keen to watch. Uh, So was the contraction, uh, it is most likely that the contraction was a double-digit contraction. Uh, That's what different economists have projected. Whether that contraction is going to end up being something like a 10 or 12% contraction, or whether it's going to end up being something like a you know much higher double-digit contraction, is something everyone would be keen to watch. The people are also going to be keenly trying to dice and assess the different components of gdp and gva uh, gross value added is gva and gdp is uh, a composite which uses G, uh, gva plus tax collections to give you the net yeah. gdp now so what's going to be interesting to watch is w- whether it is manufacturing obviously fell you know completely the bottom fell out uh, yeah. services the bottom fell out so agriculture may not have the bottom may not have fallen out on agriculture because whatever agrarian output was already happening, uh, wouldn't have come to a complete standstill because harvests had already taken place, sowing then happens. So the agrarian economy, relatively the rural economy, unlike the lockdown hitting urban industrial clusters as badly as it did, the rural economy was probably buffered to some degree. To what degree was it buffered? To what extent was agrarian economy Insulated from the impact of the lockdown is something everyone would like to see, I'm sure. So from a perspective of what is it that is going to come on Monday is going to be the gross GDP number for the first quarter plus the components of the uh, different components of the economy and how they performed. Uh, We all know that construction, you know, engineering uh, goods. So we know the different sectors which are largely urban industrial have Clearly taken a huge knock. But you would like to slice and dice and see what sort of knocks that different sectors took and whether there is any hope that uh, for the second quarter going forward, that some of these sectors may see a revival. Here, it's interesting that the RBI's annual report has categorically said that it expects the second quarter also to see a contraction. It notes that, you know, after the first lockdown, when initially There was a revival of some activity in April and uh, May, and that is something which a former RBI governor has termed a mechanical rebound. I think the RBI, without using those words, has largely sort of probably tacitly acknowledged that what happened in April and May was, and which some people have called green shoots, was probably a little early to call it green shoots because this was just people fatigued by asphyxating social distancing, and the lockdown syndrome have unlocked in varying degrees that's language i'm directly quoting from the annual report are desperate right. to regain control over their lives and livelihood. This is exactly what happened so the initial uh, post lockdown there was a bit of you know people just wanting to go out and uh, try and normalize their lives but subsequent data which have come in for uh, you know you know july and august have as, as well clearly is showing that those so called green shoots are uh, just not there, because there's a lot of slippage in activity happening, and uh you know high frequency indicators are showing uh substantial pullback in uh performance economic performance and from various data points, so the second quarter is also likely to see a contraction, and that 's exactly what the r b i has sort of uh, in its annual report spoken of so yeah, we are looking at a fairly stark picture, and monday 's data would give us granular picture of where the first quarter data has been and you know how much more. So if, if the economy as a whole contracts in a high double digit, then you know that the clawback which has to happen for the economy for the full year to you know, not be in contraction is that over the next three quarters, it really needs to move that much more uh, in the reverse direction. And whether that can happen with the RBI having sec- can said that the second quarter will also see a contraction clearly isn't likely to happen, right?
0: Right. Okay. Right, so I guess that's uh, we'll have a lot to look, lot to keep an eye out for on Monday. Um, but thank you for this, uh, thank you for this update and discussing the RBI report. That was really useful. Uh, thanks for joining us for this episode.
1: Thanks, Rick.